0: This is what I would call superficial joy, but sometimes you have to employ superficial joy to bring inner joy. And you have to know what to do because sometimes just with a lightheadedness, you're able to kind of relax and say, you know, wasn't that bad. We survived today. We did it okay. Now let's put on some music. Let's dance.
1: Hello there. I'm Tanya and you are listening to Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss the deepest parts of Torah, not just as scholars, but also as human beings. Human and Holy is currently on a season break. The new season of the podcast launches on Sunday, November 26th, just in time for us to celebrate Jutta's slave together. Today's episode is a re-airing of one of our most popular episodes from the very first season of the podcast. So it's a vintage episode, if you will. I'm sure you'll notice some differences in sound quality, interviews conducted by baby Tanya. We've come so far together over these last couple of years, but the content of these conversations are absolutely solid and have resonated with Thousands of people, I know you'll enjoy it. This episode is really special because I interviewed my mother. We discussed joy from the perspective of Hasidus. The Tanya teaches us that we can use our minds as the root of our emotions. What does that look like in our life? What does it mean to choose joy when our instinct may tell us to choose anything but? Join us for a joyful conversation about what it looks like. To choose joy.
0: Hi, I'm Rochi Lazarov. I'm the blessed daughter of Rabbi Ephraim and Chana Shmukler. And I am the wife of Rabbi Lazar Lazarov and the shluchat of the Rebbe to the Texas Medical Center in Houston. And the blessed mother of many beautiful children, one of them being Tanya. Yay! So I'm here today, she asked me to come. Yay, so many blessings. I love it. Ah, life is about
1: blessings. Life is about blessings. Okay, so today we're going to speak about joy. We're going to speak about Simcha in honor of Adar. Mm -hmm. So this is a topic that you chose that you find particularly meaningful and relevant to your life, both Mm -hmm. as a gift and as a challenge, which I think it's often a two-sided thing, the things that, you know, our gifts are also our challenges. So. Can you share before you get into a little bit about your own story, your own journey with this idea? Where in Hasidis you look to for definition or understanding of what it means to really be simcha or be joyful in your life?
0: So first of all, the Baal Shem Tov speaks about ifduas Hashem simcha of serving God joyfully as one of the tenets of being a Hasid. And it's quoted from Talam from Psalms. And what's When you think about the word to serve God joyfully, maybe even knowing that there's a word serve before joyful, you realize that when you have service, there's work. Not that it's going to come easy, but serving God joyfully is a key component in having a good relationship with God. And I think all of us who have all kinds of relationships, whether it's with our parents, our siblings, our spouses, our children, it doesn't make a difference. We know that when we're in a joyful mindset, our relationship is more enhanced. Our relationship is actually more real and less distorted. Even though people would think the other way around, that if they would just look at things in a realistic way, and they would know that it's just not like that. But really, joy is almost like clarifying things, what really, really matter. And although there has been a lot of anxiety over COVID, I know I've spoken to a lot of people who have found some extremely joyful moments now it didn't look like what joy sounds like when you're a mischievous teenager wanting to have a good time or a young person who's in a monotonous work life relationship and doesn't understand what joy is it's real true deep joy and that's really what a person should work on or i should work on or we should all work on is our inner joy and then we have our outer joy When you asked me which subject is my favorite, I said joy, and I was thinking that joy is also faith, and joy is also so many other things, because they're all interwoven. Joy is also discipline. So is discipline what makes you a happy person? Is faith what makes you a happy person? Is having joy what makes you faithful? Is having joy making discipline easier? there's a truth about some basic elements, just like the earth has certain basic elements that create it to make it what it is. And the world has four basic elements. I think human beings have a few basic elements. I would definitely say that joy is among them. And that element, sometimes you have to dig and look and sift to find it. It doesn't come easy, always. Nice.
1: I like that. Ivdu es Hashem besimcha means that simcha can often be a service. It's not Always this natural thing that happens to you. I noticed that you said that we have to work on our inner joy, that joy is something that you cultivate inside of you. I'm wondering if you could share how you would define inner joy. What does inner joy feel like? What does it look like? Before we talk about how to even get there, what is it? What is inner
0: joy? What is the experience? So, inner joy is knowing that you're in a place that's just okay. And when I mean a place, I mean your mind is in a place that's very okay. Obviously, there are realities in the world, chemical reactions that we have in our brains, certain devastation realities that can shift it to such a point where the average exercise to achieve that joy doesn't come that easily or may not even be able to come altogether. And you may need quote unquote help, which means you may need someone to help you through it or medication or whatever it is. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a person's mindset that they have to go to a place where they, first of all, embrace themselves and realize that, yeah, it is beautiful and wonderful that God created you how you are created in your station in life, to which parents you were born, whom you're in relationship and married to, and the children that he blessed you with, and then your inner talent, your inner psyche. If you're a more disciplined person, or let's say you're a person who sees things more from a critical eye, or from a more positive view, it doesn't make a difference. All these things were tools that Hashem gave you so you should be able to be in the right place and to be able to do the right work. When you understand that, what happens is, that in itself brings you to a level of joyfulness. That in itself brings you to a state and say, I'm in the right place. How many times does it happen that you get lost on a road... Not because you're not on the right path, because you're not sure this is the direction. Mm. You say, oh, I don't remember. Is that the right? Maybe I should take a left. Maybe I should take a left. Follow your instincts. You were here before. You've done this before. Take the road that you think you should do. Now, if you're not sure and you need guidance, okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why Shem didn't create one mass human being. He created many, many, many human beings that we can all help each other. And that makes us also greater servants of God. I like
1: that, which is like joy is knowing that you're in the right place. In order to accomplish what you have to accomplish wherever you find yourself, you have to have that certainty and that faith that you're supposed to be there. And in order to do it with energy and excitement, there has to be that inner joy. So I see how intertwined
0: they are. Look, how many times do people travel? They go on a trip. And some things don't turn out. It's a very far thought for most people today. (laughs) It's been a year. But, you know, let's let our imagination roll. You you go on a trip, you're going to a park with your family. It's supposed to be this beautiful park. It's a lot flatter than you thought. The water is much less. Now you can come and say, oh, my gosh, really, that's a hill. That's not a mountain. That water, it's not a river. It's like a really a stream. I don't know if there's any water there. You can say, wow, it's so clear. Let's see if there's fish in there. This hill is so much fun. We'll be able to roll down the hill. Whatever. We've all been in situations where we traveled places expecting more. But the minute we embraced where we were, we decided that we were going to make the best of we enjoy it. You can come to the most beautiful place, but if you think you're in the wrong destination and you're continuously looking for a better place, a better location, you're never going to be happy. It's so So true. So being happy is being aware of the space that you're found in is by divine ordination. It's hashkacha pratis, that you are here. It's a Prachas process that you have this challenge. It's a shkocher process that your body, your psyche, your education, everything came together in you as a person. That you have this kind of yitzhahara, this kind of drive to do things. It's all from Hashem. When you understand that, then you can say, "Oh wow, Hashem has a full play for me. He has a lot of faith in me." Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love that so much because it's like the foundation of joy is acceptance. As soon as you can accept yourself, accept your lot in life, accept your circumstances. Then you could move forward joyfully. But if you're constantly, as you said, looking over your shoulder, oh, we should have gone to the other park or we, I should have married someone else or I should have moved to a different city and then it would be better, then it, it's hard to find that inner joy and peace because there's a lack of faith that you are where you're supposed to be.
0: Yeah. There's always exceptions to the rule that if something is unhealthy or abnormal, that has to be changed. But we're talking about average, everyday Normal. grind. Okay. Right. Okay. So now let's talk about you. I'm so excited.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> when do I get to interview my mother? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> what an honor. So I want to know, simcha, joy, is the word that we throw around all the time. But was there a specific moment that you could think of in your life when you suddenly had to take a hard look at yourself and say, what does it mean to be joyful? And where can I find sources and guidance for how to be joyful? And I need to think about joy in a way that's really real and deep and adult. So I'm curious to hear when that shift was.
0: So I'm a little bit of a cheater because I believe that Hashem didn't create everybody equally. Just like some people love to talk and some people hate to talk or some people love to listen and some people can't listen. Right. And some people can't sit still, and some people love to sit and read for six hours looking in a book. Everybody has different natillas, different qualities that make them who they are. So if I would be truly honest with myself, I would probably say that God gave me a little bit of extra maple syrup in my makeup Nice. that makes me see things in a sweeter way. And not to say that I never doubted that, but... I think that I've built on that and I keep learning from that basis. Also, my parents were, by nature, both very optimistic people. My default setting was, oh, so what can I do about this? Or how can I change this? Or how can I make this better? And what can I learn from this? Now, that all being said, there were a few periods in my life where I was profoundly sad and had a really, really hard time bringing in the element of real joy. Although I was able to bring in superficial joy, which is not to be negated. What's superficial joy? Being nice to people around you when you feel like a piece of garbage or you feel terribly hurt, not by them, but by your life circumstance or Hashem, how things are. And it's really hard for you to get up. Superficial joy, I would say, is painting a smile on your face because really joy starts in the mind. Now, some people are more programmed to think like that. And some people have to work harder to think like that. Just like we're now so fully aware of the whole body, every muscle in your body is doing something for you. Sometimes you only feel a muscle when it hurts you. You don't realize that it's there until it starts hurting you. And you say, really? There's muscles there? How did I back of my leg on the top on the left side random spot. really that's why my knee is hurting me you know and a lot of times what hurts you is not that muscle it's the knee that starts to hurt or the ankle starts hurt by like a sequence of events that happens from one pain to another so i would say that the muscle of joy which i believe to be a spiritual muscle the muscle of joy is something that somebody has to be aware of and if they see that it's weak they should work on strengthening it now I have weak back muscles, weak stomach muscles, whatever. So I love brisk walking, but brisk walking doesn't do for my back what I need. So I have to do the bands and the weights, whatever it is. But I really want to be able to have a good posture, so I do that. So I think I would say that joy, simcha, you have to have two things. You have to really want to have it, and you have to understand how to get it done. And it sounds very technical for an emotion, But it's really something that can be done through emotion. Now, some people are born with it. They naturally have more of it, but they still have to work on it. They still have terrible days. They're still devastated by personal losses or by disappointments in other people or themselves. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. Like,
1: you are such a joyful person. Anyone who knows you would say that, that you naturally have a joyful and happy spirit, Really? And what comes to mind is that there's something about people who are naturally happy, being born naturally happy. I like how you said you were born with a little more maple syrup in your makeup, is an emotional thing. So you just wake up in the morning and for whatever reason, God gave you the gift that you're naturally able to feel the joy in everyday life. And then I think that when challenges come our way and something happens when we have to have this more technical joy, which is more service-oriented than just nature, we're all starting from the bottom-up. Using your mind as the birthplace for your emotion is something that, in a challenging
0: time, everyone has
1: to do equally, no matter what their natural makeup is. And
0: what's really interesting is that when we're aware of it, that maybe you could call when someone's inborn naturally happy, you'd say, it's a superficial happiness. That muscle is very aware and very strong. But when devastation happens, or when disappointment happens, or life happens, that's just not as perfect or as exciting as you want. And you're still joyful. That kind of joy can't be something you're born with. That's a joy that you take ownership to, that you make a decision for. And I just heard on by the Kinnos, somebody said that machshava and Simcha are either the same grammatria or the same letters, but there's something about machshava and Simcha being interconnected. It's not by itself. And our mindsets have real tremendous power. And look, we all know that, that the Alter Rebbe speaks about it. Now we're learning in Tanya that if a Yid wants to keep his Yetzirah in check or keep his negative inclinations, whether it's foreign thoughts or sad thoughts or lazy ideas or whatever is coming to his head, what's the way to do it? It's to be joyful because when you become sad, you are super easy to conquer. Right. I always love to dance more than to cry. Right. I always love to make shtick. In school, my teachers, when I was a kid in school, I made a lot of, I was a schnipper. Tell us the stories. I, oh, oh. I always liked more, <laughs> the fun stuff to me was much more interesting. The sad stuff sounded so boring and it was so predictable, honestly. It's very predictable to be sad. That you know the outcome, it's not going to be very good. Right. You keep staying sad, you're not going to have a better outcome. It's not going to help you, right? And I think that maybe, when you asked me before of like, did something happen to me that made me have that reality, yeah, I would little... say that maybe when we were newly married, just on Schluches in Houston with a beautiful, healthy baby boy, parrots, you know, it was like life was going to have been better. And we were on the same path in a joyful way. And I was pregnant. And then much to our surprise on Shabbos, I gave birth to a little baby girl, Chaimushka, who had a lot of health challenges that she dealt with for a year. And then she was Nifter. When I lost my daughter, I met many, many people who lost children. And it was very interesting to me that people came to me who lost children many years before. Obviously, for every day that a child lives, the grief is compounded. But there was people who had late miscarriages or even young children similar to ours. And their grief was still so compounded in their everyday life. And I remember verbalizing to Tati, to my husband, and saying, I don't want to live with my grief forever. I don't want to die with this child. I want to continue living and I even verbalized it. And I think that the the greatest service we do for souls after their passing is to live in a joyful manner. And now it's not easy and it's not to say that there's no place for tears and no death can be compared because there's all kinds of deaths, just like there's all kinds of sorrow. I would say suffering, in my opinion, I don't want to say the word holy, but pain and anguish is a holy thing we cannot discuss. We cannot compare it, and we cannot make judgment. When I say this story about other people, I don't mean to pass any judgment. I just felt sad for them that they were still stuck in this painful place. And the painful place to me was m- much less tolerable than the joyful place that I was choosing to go to. Now, obviously, there's a, there's a time for everything. You know, there's the Shiva, there's the morning. These are all natural these come very organic to the person. And I remember thinking how brilliant halacha is that the human psyche goes through, like we're allowed to rip our clothes. You know what it is to rip your clothes in devastation? You're allowed to cry out loud. You're allowed to not want to see anybody. You're allowed to say, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to eat. Those are perfectly normal in Judaism, but for a time. And then when a person gets up and they move on, what kind of life are they going to live? The Rebbe always said, the living shall take to heart. We're living. We have to take it to heart. What are we going to do about this? How are we going to internalize this person's life? How are we going to joyfully express their life that they lived? And I think that that really, for me, was like a light went off in my head and said, I'm choosing joy. Of course, you'll have a broken part in your heart. And there's things that, you listen, people have relationships that they never heal from. People have financial losses that are so devastating that they never heal from. You can't equate anything. Children who lose parents at a young age, they're different people than people who had parents their whole life. It's not the same, but still in that place where they're at, they can find more joy. You can't say, oh, this person's joyful. You should be joyful. No, no, we're not talking about that. We're saying that irregardless of your pain and suffering that you went through, there's still a greater level of joy that you can achieve in your personal life. I like
1: that so much because there's not this general barometer for joy that we all have to reach. It's just being a little bit more joyful than your natural circumstance is. And like you mentioned, there's room for heartbreak and there's room for mourning and every person's process looks so different and you could really hold both at once. People say that they hold heartbreak and joy at once in their heart for so many different reasons. Most people probably do. And yet... Being joyful doesn't mean, as you said, being the same level of joyful as someone else. It's just being a little bit
0: more joyful, like choosing joy in a small way. I know people who tried to conceive for 10 years. Does it mean they shouldn't be joyful? I mean, I'm thinking of so many people just recently who, who experienced such devastation. I don't know how they could move their lips and make a bracha. That's a challenge. So for them, maybe somebody who had a devastation reality, that they could come to the Shabbos table. And sit and keep Shabbos. That's the joy. That's one tiny little level of joy. There's many different levels of joy. But then somebody who's completely healthy and has everything going for them, they should be singing and dancing at their Shabbos table. Now, could it be that someone else who went through a devastating reality could also do that? Perhaps. It depends on their personality, their support, everything else. But there's many stages to joy. That's what's so beautiful about Tanya. The Altar Rebbe says that there's many levels of everything, There's no one answer for everybody. And when you start to realize that, that you know what your reality is, Hashem knows your reality. Are you really being the most joyful you can be? And if we feel we're not, we say, okay, so are we happy with our station of joy? No. How are we going to get there? We're going to think about it. Why do we want it? Now, sometimes the only way you want it is because Hashem wants you to be like that. But really, it's easier to live life joyfully. Joyful living is easier then burdened sad angry judgmental living
1: coming into adar the line Nechmas adar marbim bisamcha something that you always have pasted on your classroom walls for so long some people paste it on the walls of their own home okay so it's adar what are you going to do to make it a more joyful, festive environment? And I feel like it's so connected to what you're saying. Marbin Misimcha, increasing in Simcha, for one person could mean showing up to the Shabbos table. And for one person, it could mean adding more singing to their Shabbos table. Joy just doesn't look the same for everyone. I feel like that's a very powerful thing to hear.
0: Yeah. Being next to the hospital, we're blessed that we're able to be of service to so many people. And we know people where there's a joy that they could swallow Like yesterday, there was somebody running to the hospital and I saw on her face, she was beaming. I said, Bella, where are you going? She says, Don't ask. They said he could eat soft foods. This man didn't eat in six months. Wow. It's complicated surgery now to repair everything. And I was excited. It was like the joy was like, Whoa, this is amazing. This is amazing. We can't believe it. And when she went out the door, I sent her off and we were practically dancing as she left. And when she came back, her step was new. She was saying, Find joy in what you eat. Well, that doesn't make sense. It's obviously it's every single place in the world. There's a place to see and find joy. She said, oh, my husband didn't eat for six months. You think he's going to swallow? <laughs> I'm going to have to watch as he gags up because the truth is that after surgery, when you do start eating softer foods in such a situation, most people won't be able to swallow right away. That's just how it works. And her joy, I'm sure brought him joy the way she went to the hospital. Then there's like joys that are inside a person coming to a place and saying, wow, it's been a whole week and I spoke nice to everybody around me. What a joy. That's so special. Or my child who struggled with learning how to walk is now walking. Or my child who was maybe a little more aggressive than he should be for other things that are happening in his life has now learned to appreciate others around him. That's joy.
1: I want to give a little bit of context of what your shlucha says, what you guys do in Houston, because I feel like it gives a deeper understanding of what you're speaking about, which is that you run Angel House in Houston, Texas, and your shluchas host people who come from all over the world to stay in the medical center. You cook for them. and, And it's more than just hosting and cooking. It's really like welcoming people into the family, making deep and meaningful connections and being for them in an emotional, spiritual, and physical way when they're going through the hardest time of their lives. And... I think it's powerful that you mentioned that story of the woman whose husband could eat soft foods in her challenging circumstance in the hospital is finding the joy in the soft food. And each of us has to find it no matter what our circumstances are. When you're near a medical center, you see these crazy huge challenges that people are going through. And then you see the crazy huge strength. And then when you're going through normal life circumstances, you see
0: the small increases and the small strength. You know, it's interesting. Some people who come here, when they leave, they many times tell us like what we meant to them or things like that. And more than not, or I would say mostly people will say when they would, and the way my office is that you could see the person coming in from the side door and the side door is usually where people are walking back from the hospital. They're coming with a car, they're coming through the front door, but they come from the side door. Knowing that people are having a hard day, I would try to make myself visible to see, is that person going through a tough time or whatever it is. I sit by my window if I'm in my office, just looking through the door, Seeing the general composure, the person knowing if they need me to go out. Now, sometimes seeing a person downcast, they need their private space, they need a private time, they don't want anybody. But sometimes they do need somebody. They just need someone to say, it's going to be okay, I'm with you, or even a beautiful big smile that the sun is going to shine again, or the sun is shining, come look with me, look at the sun that's shining. Simcha is contagious, and as women who are the mainstay, according to the Torah, it is the woman is the mainstay of the home. What does it mean, the mainstay? It's not that it means she cooks the pasta. It doesn't mean she does the laundry. Someone else could cook the pasta, and someone else could make the chicken or the vegetables. But the mainstay means she regulates the avir of the home. The woman is, is the regulator of the spirit of the home, let's say. And that's why it's so important for women to be v'simcha, because we affect so many people. And that's why it's such an important myth for women to do because when your child goes to school happy, it affects their classmates. If your spouse goes to work happy, it affects their workmates. We affect a lot of people from the base of our home. Our home is the beginning of that. So going back to what I was saying before, this is like a big home. When someone came in, I knew that if I would greet them coming back and let's say somebody else is upstairs and I brought a little bit of joy to them, I knew that it would go further than just them. It went to the next phone call they had to the person they were meeting in the apartment. As a matter of fact, we have a lovely shlucha here, Musi. Make a plug for her. She's adorable, and she loves to bring simcha to people. And sometimes just practical stuff. She got laffy taffy jokes. So when people came and said, "You want to try a joke? That's want to so try cute. a joke? Yeah." And sometimes you have to do this. Is what I would call superficial joy. But sometimes you have to employ superficial joy to bring inner joy. And you have to know what to do because sometimes just with a lightheadedness, you're able to kind of relax and say, you know, wasn't that bad. We survived today. We did it. Okay. Now let's put on some music. Let's dance. Do you want to eat a nice Canadian cookie, whatever we have for you at that day? So I think that, that knowing that your joy affects other people gives you a, a huge responsibility. And in the work that we do, meeting people in a joyful manner has been one of the things people appreciate most, that when they left, they told me, they said, the joy that we saw every time when we came back to the hospital, we knew we were greeting a warm, smiley face. And, you know, it would be counterintuitive. People are going through a major crisis. Right. Sometimes people even lost family members, right? Wow. You'd think you should be downcast, sad, feeling sorry. Right. They don't need that from you. They're already feeling that. Right. They need uplifting, They need joy. I like that you're mentioning that because sometimes when we speak about deep
1: joy, we think of these superficial joys as things that don't really have a place. I remember hearing Dina Horowitz once saying that she brings joy into her household by having music playing often. And I thought that that was so profound because often when we think of joy, we think of this deep mind work, which I do think has a place and has a place internally and often, but there's also something to be said for
0: just turning on the music and dancing, even when it's hard. Yes. So even most jokes in the lobby and having music and having nice food, this is all to bring aware, to bring to the fore that joy is here waiting for you to come and take a taste. Nice. And ingest it, have it. When you're ready. We're happy to be happy with you. Right. Yeah. How do you personally choose joy in your life? Sometimes, I don't know if anybody has ever done this, but my sister gave me this really great coffee machine. Oh. And in the beginning, I was running to the building every day for coffee and she stayed at my house for a while. And she said, this is not that you're running to the building. I said, why? You know, I have a step thing. I'm trying to think as many steps. I right. know, yeah, but sometimes you're in pajamas. Don't you want to like have it when you're, so she bought it for me, which is a really big so treat sweet. for me. But every once in a while, it happens that I'm talking to somebody doing something else. And I forget to put in like a filter, you know what I mean? And did you ever see what happens to a nice coffee machine when you don't put a filter in? What happens? You have coffee grounds and water all over the floor, like everywhere. And usually when I'm about to have my coffee, I'm usually in a big rush. So I don't probably even have the seven minutes I timed the the last time I did it. Wow. Now the question is, how do you react when that happens? Yeah. That's the secret. When those little tiny things that you're saying, it's not the big things. It starts with the small things. So when the coffee grounds are all over the floor, there's no one there to help you. When you react to it in a joyful manner, saying, oh, I still have more coffee grounds to make more coffee. Hoo-hoo, thank you, Hashem. Or I think I'll have enough time to make a second pot before I leave. So I actually will be able to enjoy my coffee in the car when I'm driving the kids. And we're talking, this is 630 in the morning, seven oh, nice. o'clock in the morning. Your child sees that, hears that, you're affecting your child. Your spouse comes down and sees you like that. It affects your spouse. When we take those little, little silly things and we react positively, what happens is our bigger things are easier to react positively. And that's, I think the biggest mistake people make. They think that at a crisis, I always say, you know, don't get into a car if you've never driven. So you don't have to drive everywhere all the time, but you should know how to use a car. So in a crisis, you could run to the emergency room. Having the language of joy coupled with faith and gratitude is going to give you that ability to deal with your challenge in a more joyful way. Now, again, going back, there's some things that joy doesn't have a place. There's some things in life that Hashem, Halacha says, it's avelis, it's sadness, it's it's warning, it's screaming at Maasai for the Jew next to the person who's happening to. But for little things like missing a bus, missing a plane, forgetting a suitcase. I don't know if I should share the story, but it's a funny story. Tell me. I
1: (laughs) I want to know. Your smile is so big, I
0: really want to know. (laughs) How to share the story, but you you absolutely cannot, I don't know if you should share you'll decide if you share okay, okay, fine, Let's go. We're married for 18 years, and we decided that we're going to go to the aisle. We really always want to go, so we figured we'll go to the aisle. That will be our little vacation. I have, obviously, everybody has their ideas of vacation, but being in Houston, it's a really big treat. Probably two of the biggest treats for me is to see my parents healthy and to go to the aisle, and also my children, obviously, I get to have that through the year, Baruch Hashem. Anyways, so excited when it's your tenth baby, it's it's like wow, it's a vacation, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I pack everything for the baby, and I pack everything for me in one carry on, and then obviously us to film the other carry on. So we have two carry ons. So cool, we're going, and we pack up the car. We get to the airport, and we park the car in the airport, and we take that little um, shuttle bus that takes you to the airport. And as we're getting onto the shuttle bus, I say, "Ooh, you forgot my carry on in the car. There's one more carry on with my stuff and the baby stuff." So Tati says, oh, no, 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 no. There's only one carry-on in here. I said, I love us on top of the steps. I thought I was going to get the baby in the car. You're going to take the two carry-ons. Misunderstanding. It's okay, well, let's just get onto the bus. There's nothing else in the car, nothing else in the car. We get on the bus, and Tati says, oh, what do you want to do? I said, oh, and, you know, like, I picked the outfit to wear the next day when I go to the aisle, but I didn't dress shabbily to get on the plane. So I said, I don't know. Let's decide when we get to the airport. Maybe we can get someone to bring my carry-on. We try to call this that it turns out there wasn't enough time to get the carry to the airport and for us to get onto the plane. The only option was to take the next flight. But if we take the next flight a flights, three and a half hours with the time change, basically we would have no day that day. And then we would be leaving the next afternoon. So right. it would be like, we'd be in New York for like less than 18 hours with landing and all that. It didn't make sense. So I said, look, and it's not like now post COVID, there's all these ticket changes you can make. I was like, let's just go. I said, but you have no clothes. I said, You have nothing. <laughs> yeah. But basically we went and I said, I could always buy underwear in CVS. I could always buy a stretchy. is so we did. It was a little chilly. So I needed like a sweater. I had packed a sweater. Everything worked By out sweater. fine. And you know what? We actually had so much more fun because we were like, wow, yeah, we just, did this. We right. did this. Without the carry on, we did it. So yeah, I didn't have any makeup and I didn't have all my other little toiletries. I went to CVS. I bought a few things. It wasn't a great expense at all. It wasn't like I, you know, lost something. And I have to say that the same thing happened to me again, another time. I had my jewelry, my shaito. My reaction wasn't the same. My reaction wasn't the same. So it really- Wait, you left it at home or you left it- No, it it got left on a bus. Oh. I left on a bus in the fun. airport. And yeah. Okay. And at the end we got it. But I have to say that- That was my I, I, as a person who considers myself positive thinking- I know that I don't always, someone said 60, 40. I like to think of it more like 90, 10, 90, 10. You give yourself 10% error because you're human. If you actually never got upset, that means you've mastered that. And then, Hey, you could start giving up brachas. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> a whole new reality. <laughs> we still you no it. longer one of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like in the moment saying, okay, I can choose now to be stressed out about this and I can't do anything about it. And my trip will be aborted and and I'm looking forward to that trip for probably three weeks. Or I could say, this is how the trip is coming out. It looks like I'm going to be without my carry on. So how do I want to do this? When we have that understanding that those little things that you sweat out or that little thing that you don't sweat and that you keep positive and that you stay focused and you are happy will give you the ability to be like that for greater things. Now, there are times. That you have to take time to bring your machshava into making yourself joyful. And you have to verbalize to yourself. Everyone's about mantras. Say mantra. Am I happy with this situation? Yes. Hashem places in front of me. How am I going to master this? How is it going to happen?
1: Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. In the small situations, like when your carry-on is left at home, your natural emotion is to be upset. That's when your mind can step in and say, I was so looking forward to this trip, and I'm gonna choose joy. I know for myself, like this is a simple example, but it's hard for me to change diapers. I always hated changing diapers, it's gross. And when I first had my baby, my self talk was, "Uh, it's almost over, it's almost over, it's almost over. And I realized that it made it even worse. And then I would start dreading it every time I smelled a diaper. I was like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna get through this? And I started telling myself, Actually started saying it out loud to my baby, thank God, your body works so well and you ate a lot and you're digesting, and it really changes it, and I consciously do it every time I don't think I'm ever going to come to the place where I'm like, mm, this is delicious i'd rather be doing this than anything else, but it really helps when you allow your mind to take over and you react in a conscious way, then you actually infuse that moment with joy, as opposed
0: to dread. By the way, it's so true, especially with mundane things. It's really your attitude. So it could be small things like that, or it could be a nice bottle of wine smashing on your driveway because your five-year-old insists on carrying it. Or somebody who's helping you, who's not a five-year-old, is helping you, and they, by mistake, your reaction of happiness, and I mean happiness and goodness and gratitude, will make the difference in the rest of your day. And you will feel better. So I think that it's almost like a no-brainer that happiness is the optimal choice. The question is how to do it. Right. So small you- stuff, starting with the small stuff, trying to think like, okay, this really bothers me what just happened. That's going on in your brain. By the time your mouth opens, the altar speaks about Machshavah Deber Maisa. We're so blessed. We have the Tanya to teach us and guide us of how to react to our normal impulses of human beings, to teach us and train us that we can do more than our natural first impulse. If you're always your natural first impulse, you're in trouble. That's it. When you have Hashem in your life, you could be Sameach. When you are aware of where it's coming from, if you know it's ivdu as Hashem B'Simcha, that you have to serve Hashem joyfully, means it's going to be work on your part, use your Machshava, your deeper, and your Maisa. You will Shabbat. think positive thoughts. So let's say the first thought comes as, oh no. You say, yes, it's okay. Then you say, it's going to be fine. Let's make this work. Can this be happy and fun? And then when your action is one that's positive, you're going to have a positive experience. So really like Simcha and Trahkot and Seingot are all interconnected. And like I said, there's a few main fibers that run through the cable for us to have a healthy life. And I think Simcha is one of those key components. It's so much more fun to be a joyful Jew than to be a sad Jew. Right. By the way, how many people say that they left Yiddishkeit in the 1920s or 30s because Judaism was hard, difficult, and sad? And if we live in a time today, we live in the most incredible time in the world where every single person wants to be more happy. The value of happiness has been, is valued by all of society. It's not any more Jewish value. It is a Jewish value, but it's reached already to the non-Jewish world. So being happy is part of being an observant Jew of your relationship with Hashem.
1: Yeah, and I like that you said it's a muscle. So it's something that you work on in really small areas. Often we think of these really big catastrophes. How would I respond then? Or people who are dealing with it, maybe judging their responses in those situations, even when you're dealing with the biggest catastrophe in life. You could still choose to be joyful when your coffee leaks and you forget your carry-on at home. I don't think any of us ever master it, but we could all continuously choose it in very small ways, which give us the strength in the big ways to choose it as well.
0: And I think also, you know, like in business and in nonprofits, there's something called best business practices, which means how to do things that will be the most efficient for your institution, whether you're a school or, you know, what we're doing or anybody else. There is ways to do things. Now, the closer you adhere to the best business practices, the more efficient your institution is. But if you you don't even have best business practices, you're not even going to know when you fail or where you're failing. You're just going to know that you're failing. Right. So as a person, you have to say, one second, I noticed that I tend to have a harder time being happy when I'm sleep deprived. So make sure to get enough sleep. Be disciplined to go to sleep. So then again, discipline comes in with simcha. Go to sleep at night on time or Forgo the schmooze with your friend on the phone or with your sister or whoever it is and say it's 10 30, whatever you need to be, 8.30. I don't know. Everybody has their different levels. Seven. It depends. <laughs> yeah, it depends when you get up. <laughs> then be mindful of what you eat. Don't junk your body. Your body is not a trash can. But if you're going to be on a steady diet of things that are not good for you and then not sleep enough and then be busy on the new terrible paré that's in everyone's pocket, then what's going to happen it's going to be hard to be joyful, by the way. If you read the news all the time, the doomsday prophets are on your cell phone. Oh, yeah. I just want to tell you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're practicing witchcraft on you. You know how? They're telling you that things are just not going to get better, and they're not going to get better, right. and they're not going to get right. better, and there's nothing to be happy about. Right. And, if, and if you're happy in your own house, you should know that down the street's going to be even worse, right? Yeah. So when we make choices of how we sleep, how we eat, how we daven, take time to daven. By the way, if you look at staying happy, is also maintaining your relationship with Hashem, getting up in the morning and saying, Ani with so much simcha. Say, thank you, Hashem. I have to say that most of the time I say it with joy. I have said Ani with tears in my eyes, saying, please, Hashem, I know, Bechem la rabbi I know you have a lot of faith in me. Show me where the faith in me is. And that's normal and healthy too, but right. keep that line of communication. Say Shema Yisrael. If you could say Shema whatever you could, Davin, Davin. This will get, say him read to and you'll see how David HaMelech battled all kinds of enemies from within and without. So when you start to surround yourselves by a lot of good business practice, which I would say is physical well-being, healthy eating, drinking, sleeping, spiritual well-being, healthy, ingesting of tyran words, davening, that kind of thing. Simcha will come to you much easier. I like simcha, that. It's not foolproof. There's still like things that happen that are beyond our control, but simcha will come easier. And then also be a discerning customer. Not every message that somebody sends you on WhatsApp, you have to read the whole story. Not every tragedy that experiences outside the realm of your community where you could make a difference are the details for you to know. You have to guard your life. What does it mean guard your life? Take care of your health. You create around you an aura of physical, health, and spiritual light. Yeah, I
1: like that because what you're saying is is that choosing joy means that in the moment you could choose joy when your instinct is to choose sadness, annoyance, frustration. And then choosing joy also means to discipline yourself to make choices that you know lead to your own joy. Like you have to guard your life, create a schedule and a routine that cultivates joy in your life. Like you said, Early bedtime, not overusing your smartphone, not reading things that aren't necessarily relevant to you or that you know are gonna affect you emotionally. like we are allowed to create our circumstances to a certain extent. It's actually our responsibility as human beings to do that. So choosing joy is not just in the moment. It's also, you don't have to be in a situation where you had three hours of sleep and you're struggling to choose joy in the moment when the milk spills all over the floor. Right. You can be better equipped because you take care of yourself in a disciplined way that's more likely to lead to joy.
0: As a chassid, the Frida Kerbe was a big proponent of routine scheduling for children and for self. And I think that when you schedule those things like davening and learning in your life, you have an easier time doing them. So simcha is really people associate simcha with an emotion because it's happiness. Well, how do your emotions come? Your emotions are are rooted in your brain first and you make a decision to be happy. And there's a lot of studies today, and I've read a lot of nice books about it. And it's just to corroborate the truth of the Torah that, that really the seed of happiness starts in the brain. Now, yes, it's a choice. When we use our brain to learn taira and chassidus, obviously as women, the Rebbe spoke about learning chassidus. And then we follow through and we use our mind and our heart to serve Hashem with tefillah. And we do all those other physical things. The happiness will come much easier because we're already in the routine of what we consider a person who's most likely to be happy, create an environment That makes it easier for you to go through with your samchadika
1: lifestyle. I think you really hit the nail on the head because before the step of being in the situation and having to choose joy, there's a step before that, which is also a choice and is the routine and the discipline. If
0: somebody is an artist and they need to paint to be calm, they need to make time to do that. If somebody likes to work out or exercise and it makes them calm and happy, they need to do that. It's part of their base Hashem. We joked with somebody here. There was somebody here who was a, Quite a bit of a Talmud Chacham. He was here with his child, and he came and he's looking for coffee. I said, oh, he's looking for coffee. It's the best tool in Abaydes Hashem. Totally, totally. <laughs> he said he never, he never thought he'd hear that from the rabbi's wife, but he's taking tips for Abaydes
1: Hashem. Why does but choosing joy not mean having your coffee in the morning? That's part of choosing joy. Everybody has Choose their joy. Things. Some
0: people will tell you it's not good for your free radicals or whatever else. That's, but, true, that's um, true. I will Green tell tea. you this also, gotcha. that when we're going through a challenging, challenging time, where the reality in front of us is very fogged and it doesn't seem to have a slight crack of light. And in that moment we stay happy. Think of how incredible that moment is. Because obviously what I'm saying till now is just average day living and you find joy. But then Hashem throws you a curveball or he shuts the shades in the house and you can't see anything anywhere. And you still find your way around in a joyful way. I believe it is sweeter than anything Tashem. How are you able to do that? You're able to do that because you did it with a lot of the small things. It's like if someone's shut the shades to you in a foreign house. You wouldn't know where to walk. But if you've been in this house many, many times and you know, every crevice and every step and every up and down and every right and every left, even if the lights are out, you say, I'm still in the same house. I know my way around the lights will come on soon. And that's where you stay with Simcha and enjoy. And the house being the analogy of Hashem's world, and you being the individual going around, you have to keep focused. Hashem is always here. He never leaves for a split second. Now, of course, Simcha was Tfila also. And I think that the the hardest thing is Tfila simcha when you are going through a challenging time, especially if it's something that's threatening either someone you love or your own life. Or threatening a very large amount of your resources or the spiritual life of your child, that could be very challenging. My sister recently told me, I think she heard from Rabbi Jacobson, that the story of the, I never knew this, but right before the Altarabah passed away, that the Samach Sadiq was crying and the Altarabah said to him, make sure to be joyful because what happens down here is reflected above. And soon after the altar passed away, but he saw the altar of situation, so he became very sad, he was crying. And who coined the phrase, khut khut tzedek? So obviously he saw the profundity in that idea of thought. thinking positive thinking and to be happy. Happiness is, is an outcome of positive thinking.
1: I think often when we think of that idea that if you think good, then it will be good. Hashem will change things in the spiritual world and completely change a decree or overturn an illness or whatever it is. We think of it as a spiritual voodoo that we can't see, but you see it very clearly in your life. You think good and suddenly it's just a little better. The park is a little bit more sparkly and your day just got a little better. So think good and it will be good is not always this untouchable transcendent thing. Sometimes it's very tangible. Very often it's choose joy and your life will be more joyful.
0: A lot not of chesedas is like that, by the way. A lot of citizens, is very good practical advice. If you want to make uh, best business practices for your personal life, I would say, look in the and, and take, and take your best business practices from there. Every family should have a mission statement, even every individual and, and best business practice. What do I do? What do I not do? What is acceptable for me? What is not acceptable for me? How do I answer the door? How do I answer the telephone? How do I answer the door and the telephone when I'm not in a good mood? Different? No. That's right. how I answer the door and the telephone. Right. Hello. How are you? What?
1: I appreciate, appreciate. I will try my best. I'm kidding. No, I will try. My best. I mean, <laughs> I will that, actually try my best.
0: No, what I mean to say is that also, you know, there's a culture today of honesty, which is beautiful. Okay, which is allowing for conversations like this to happen and for people to share stories that are very intimate that maybe 25 years ago people would have judged them. And I think there's something so beautiful about this generation that they're so honest; they don't want to be dishonest, whether it's spiritually or emotionally, so there's a tremendous value to that, but not to get lost, and not to think that just because you're not completely there, you shouldn't do it, and I think that's something that everybody can learn, that even though today we let it all hang out, and we'll let it all be, you could be having the most horrible day, you could verbalize it, but in a
1: different way, Even in Asial House, which if you never experienced it, you'd expect it to be like a sad and morose place. We've had so many dance parties in the kitchen, so much good music, so much good food, good times, good laughs. You could create
0: that type of circumstantial joy. I like that circumstantial joy. And you know what? I think that the first time people came Friday night here in the new building and they saw the table set like literally for a five course meal it's gorgeous. And you want wine glasses initialize. and white wine and red wine and your choice if you want to have beef or chicken and two kinds of fish. In the Such beginning, people food. said, what, what, what do you have to make so much? You know, especially like the people who, they're not into that so much. Even they, by the time they finished their quote unquote journey here, their little trip, they would say, wow, those Friday nights, <laughs> it was like going to five-star restaurant. It is. Why? Because they were being pampered. Right. And sometimes a person has to know how to do that for themselves also. But pamper yourself kidding, with the specific things that work for you. And then you'll be able to be joyful. Right. Don't continuously verbally abuse yourself. Even physically abuse yourself by not taking care of yourself, not eating and sleeping, right. and then expecting yourself
1: to be joyful. And then expect yourself to choose joy in the moment.
0: Yeah, right. it doesn't work. It's so true. It's so I, true. Nobody took a plastic bag and made holes in it and expected to keep water inside. Yeah, You know, That's I have this good, thing where I, we keep peeled potatoes in plastic bags. So if you overload the plastic bag, it's not bursts. happening. It bursts. And, <laughs> Just and I try, I've been there. Like hundreds of potatoes way, all over the kitchen. And by the way, when you're dealing with a two-gallon bag, it's a lot of potatoes that you have to transfer. And it's like a waste of time. So the minute you respect the plastic bag and you know exactly how much you can handle, right. you're good. Nice. And you have to put enough water also. Right. And if you're going to leave it there for a few days, you have to change the water. Whatever you're doing in your mechanism. But still, you have to be aware of your Kaylee. Every person is a keili. Be aware of your Kaylee. For your Kaylee to be simcha, to do everything right, you have to respect your Kaylee. Bagash and baruch mis. Nice. So this is like more like a forbring in Tanya. <laughs> oh so I really want to say l'chaim. So many more things I want to talk about. First of all, I have to say that I want to say a l'chaim to everybody who listens. And Leah Viva told me she listens to it and she loves it. So a shout out to Leah Viva. That's so sweet. And I know that there's, there's a lot of sisterhood happening now online with podcasts and zoom calls that we couldn't do before. And I would say that the silver lining in our reality today, because I don't want to even say the name of the disease, but the silver lining of how things have changed today, that we could really be connected with people all over the world in a mindful, spiritual way. And even though we're thousands of miles apart. So the to every Jewish woman out there who's working on her happiness factor. Yeah. And, May you continue to bring more light and more joy to everybody around you and may we not have to make interpretations and understandings of why we should be joyful, but may our mouths be filled with joy that we won't be able to speak like it is in the time of Mashiach. We'll just be, be we'll be in awe there bringing our karbanes to the base of and uh, that's it. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom, which I've been getting all my life. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.
1: Elokai zakenina mitorat ha'uvim mitorat ha'lecha lecha bevert nishmati tami dulecha lecha belecha be Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please take a second to leave us a rating or a review. It means a lot to us and it helps other people find the podcast. And you know, we're all about getting Chocidis into every corner of the world. Human and Holy is currently on a season break. What you just listened to was a re-airing of one of our most popular episodes from the first season of the podcast. Season four launches on Sunday, November 26th, just in time for us to celebrate Yuta's kiss life together. Make sure you are following Human and Holy so you don't miss out on the launch of our new season. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to talking to you soon.